0: Thank you brother, bless his lovely name Turn with me please to the book of Hebrews Chapter 12 This will be, again this is more like a I know it's like a Bible study as such But what we want you to do is to get these scriptures into you Please download them David's doing a fantastic job on the website there and Facebook page. They're all free to download. You know, we actually got people this week coming on to continually follow us every week from India. And from Jakarta in Indonesia. People just coming from all over the place. And there was actually a man in Scotland got in touch with us to follow us that he actually got a CD from here and he's listening to the CDs and he gets them, whoever's sending them over, almost every week. So Denise, your ministry's going out there too. CDs in Scotland and he's listening to them in Scotland. So there's people, it's still spreading, things are still moving. So get CDs if you want or download these. And these words that I'm, that I'm opening up in these verses, these are important for us important for you and for me to to be able to chew these over, that we can think of what the Lord's telling us and where we are as Christians and believers in our life and walk with the Lord. So keep your Bibles open and if you want you can flick with me or get it later on and listen to it and go through the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 12 please, I'm beginning to read at verse 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, that and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of the words of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should the word should not be spoken to them any more. For if they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake, but ye are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, To the the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that speaketh on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Let's pray. Father, we adore you. And we adore your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that as we worship this morning, there was such a sense of you in this place, a sense of you touching hearts, and Lord, we believe just ministering to your people, touching bodies, Lord, for healing. We pray this morning, Lord, that you will continue now in your word to enable your people to praise you in the word and for the word we ask you father this morning to touch every mind and every heart and strengthen us father we pray this morning and ask you lord that you would draw close that every one of us would leave here saying it was good for us to be here or was here that we met with the lord so this morning lord help every one of us and glorify your own precious name for Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. Now we've covered quite a bit of ground in parts 1 and 2 of Riches of the New Covenant. And this is part 3. And if you will remember, we did look at older covenants and so on. We don't want to go through any of that again for time's sake, of course. But what we want to look at this morning is we want to tell you where we were last week and where we finished off last week. And we finished off by looking at... On the A to Z of the believers riches in in, in the new covenant or in Christ. Which we looked at the first one which was A. And that's the only one we got to. Which was you are accepted in the beloved. A for accepted in the beloved. So you can get that and you can look at that or listen to that if you want. I, I haven't time to go through all of these. But if you remember last week we brought you to Ephesians 1 and verse 7. Where it says of Christ in whom we have redemption. Through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And of course us being under the new covenant. Of course us coming to the foot of the cross. The riches that are in that are eternal riches. And the riches that are in that will never be plumbed. We can never fathom it. But we're trying to open it up as we go along. And the riches of his grace opens up an avenue of things for all of us. And we looked at how riches of his grace means, gives the idea of domination or control. In other words, our forgiveness of our sins is controlled or dominated according to the plentifulness, the abundance of the riches of God's grace. So when we sin, we fail, we fall. And we we sin, fail and fall when we don't even realize it. And it's not about walking in an open course of sin. But we sin, we fail, and we fall. God's grace enables us to get up and to move on and keep walking with him. We looked at that last week. That was uh, the riches of his grace. Now, when we're in Hebrews 12, we're looking at a mountain with Moses up it. And ancient Israel were there, and they stayed at the bottom, weren't allowed to touch a mountain. the mountain, weren't allowed to come, showing that the law of God was unattainable. The presence of God and the kingdom of God is unattainable by man. In other words, when the law comes down, the law is broken and even symbolically by the smashing of the two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Israel had sinned at the bottom or the foot of the mount and so we're told Moses smashes the two tablets. And in the Hebrew letter here, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, look, when you're, uh, uh, when you're saved, when you've come to Christ and repented of your sin and you're under the blood, you know, you're under, as it were, the riches of his grace and the riches of the new covenant. They're saying you're not come to that mountain. It's not as though when you come to the Lord, uh, uh, to the throne of grace or when you come in prayer, it's not like as Israel of old weren't allowed to go to the mountain or they would be slain or even a beast thrust through by a dart, as it were. It means here that we are able, we have a a consecrated, a new and living way consecrated for us through the blood of Jesus. That you and I have an opening to the throne room of heaven every hour of every day. So we can always come and pray and seek the face of the Lord. And God is gracious and the riches that are in Christ, the riches of the new covenant are upon us. For we are in him and our life is hid in God with Christ. Okay, so that's where we are as under the new covenant this morning. Turn with me. I want to show you something to Romans chapter 2, please. Romans chapter 2. We're going to flick through and and open a couple of verses for you. Hopefully strengthen your faith and all our understanding. Romans chapter 2. So as we looked at the the riches of his grace in Ephesians 1 and 7 last week, Here's a little leader for us to go on into the rest of the alphabet again. We'll look at A was accepted in the beloved. This week, God willing, we're going to look at at the letter B. But let us look at this first. We had the riches of his grace, first of all, last week. Now, Romans chapter 2. And let your eye, please, uh, run down to verse verse 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of righteousness, of righteous judgment of God. Excuse me. Now notice this, verse 4. Despises thy, the riches of his goodness. It was the riches of his grace in the New Covenant last week. Here we have the riches of his goodness. The riches of his goodness. Now you see here where it says despisest thy, the riches of his goodness. The word despises in the Greek New Testament is the word kataphroneo. Now. That's my best pronunciation of these. So you can forgive me if they're a little off. And it really is made up of of two words. Kata, froneo. For example, the word froneo uh, gives the the word to understand or to have understanding. It means to be wise or to direct one's mind to a thing. To direct one's mind to a thing. When you're trying to learn something, you direct your mind to it. To direct one's mind to a thing. To understand. That's froneo. The first part, kata, means down. Down. And so the modern term for kata froneo it means to look down. But the modern term that we could use gives the idea of someone looking down their nose at something. Now there are people who when they're studying they put their glasses on the tip of their nose and they look down their nose at what they're studying to look down your nose to understand okay but here but here the idea is to look down your nose at a certain thing but to look down your nose as though you would look down your nose at someone who you thought was not up to your standard Or you would look down, or someone would look down their nose at you as though, you know, she thinks she's better than me. He thinks he's better than me. He looks down his nose at everybody. That's the idea of this. And here the apostle is saying, do you look down your nose at the goodness of God? Do you look down your nose at the riches of his goodness? And here the idea is it can be to believers or unbelievers, to whoever the word is reaching. In other words, those who have not yet come to faith in Christ, and there are those who think nothing of Christ nor His blood sacrifice, they look down their nose at him, they, "Who is this Jesus?" You know It's the, "I don't care about the gospel." They look down their nose when you tell them about the love of God. And the idea that it is actually written here is a question and a declaration. In other words, despisest thou the riches of his goodness. The way it is written and the context is said is Paul is actually asking a question. Do you look down your nose? That's the question. Then there's a declaration. Do you look down your nose? I, you do. That's the way it reads. That's the way he's saying it. That's the idea that we need to get into our head. Because sometimes as believers, God is not only good to us all the time, but sometimes we as believers we receive the goodness of God and think God is not good the next day. And we look down our nose at it. We say, No, you don't, Paul says, I you do. Or when God has answered the prayer and we haven't even returned thanks, even like the nine lepers that were healed. They go on and only one returns. Paul says, you look down your nose at it. In other words, God has given us the desires of his heart according to his riches. Don't look down your nose at it. You could look down your nose as though you were studying into him like your glasses on the tip of your nose but not with disdain or forgetfulness. How good has God been to you and I how good has God been to your family and mine? How good has he been in saving our souls and those of our loved ones and answering our prayers? And then we start to, as it were, step back and look down our nose because our minds are fixed in something else. The riches of his goodness. So the idea here is to look down your nose, a declaration and a question or a question with a declaration despises thou he says do you look down your nose at the riches of his goodness i you do that's the way he says it especially to the unsaved and the unbelievers when god is good and his common or his general grace as the dutch reformers would have called it his grace and his, his general grace or common grace is that he waters the land he Sends the sunshine to grow the crops. We don't know how it works. That's his general grace to every man. Even the the, the world who doesn't want to know him. This western world with its opulence and its riches and all the things that that he gives to us. And the Lord is good and he is gracious. And they look down their nose at him. They look down their nose at him. Now listen to what it says here. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. Now, notice this. See the riches of his goodness. The word riches here, I think last week I pronounced the word maybe a little off or a little wrong. I, I, I just came to my mind when I studied this word. And it's the word plusios. I think I said plotos or something last week, maybe it's plusios. And it means wealth, abundance. Abounding. Riches means wealth, abundance, abounding. Do you look down your nose how God's goodness is full of wealth for you? Do you look down your nose at how God's goodness is full of abundance and He gives it to you? Do you look down your nose at the riches of His goodness and it's abounding towards you. God's riches and of His goodness abounds to me every day. It's always good. God is a good God, and the devil's a bad devil, but God is a good God. And that's the idea of the riches of His goodness. See the word goodness; it gives the idea of kindness, but it gives the idea of benignity. Benignity, you know. When someone goes uh, for a test, they, they're hoping that that test is benign. It means, you know, it's not moving forward. It's, it, it won't destroy them. It's benign. It's not increasing or developing. It's benign. And the idea here is that our Lord's goodness is that he is seemingly Benign to many people. He's kind and he's good, yes, but he's benign. In other words, God won't chastise his people, but he will. In other words, and they look down their nose at this. No, he won't. Yes, he will. Or the unsaved God will not allow me to go to a lost eternity, to a a place of burning or hell, whatever term you want to put on it. And the idea is that those outside of Christ, yes, he will. Or there is no wrath for, look, I'm getting away with what I'm doing. I'm living how I'm living. I'm treating things the way I treat it. I'm looking down my nose at this, at God's benignity. In other words, the unsafe think, is there really a God here? Where is he? Come on, strike me now as such. Testing God. Trying God. And the believer who has no conviction of, of, of the sin, of, of, the, of what they're doing, the wrong living, they think, well, God's benign and doesn't know and doesn't see. But then they don't really believe that he exists in. For if you and I really, truly believe that God is real, that God is alive, that God is living in our being and in our hearts, that God is God of our God. He is the supreme being. The great deity. And if we believe that he sees all, knows all, that he is all in all, then you and I, no matter where we are, when we are, no matter what we think or what we do, we will be conscious of him for he lives in us. He lives in us. And we live in him. In him we live and move and have our being. So to look down our nose to think God does not chastise is another thing that is wrong it's his word entering our hearts which should change us and turn us around to cause us to walk before him so look what Paul says here he says do you despise? I do the wealth, the abundance the abounding goodness, kindness the benignity of God for God has not poured out wrath on this world yet Peter tells us that he will. God will not flood the earth again as we, we know the Noahic Covenant we talked of in the first part one of this study that the Noahic Covenant was the rainbow and God won't flood the earth but God will answer by fire one day and renovate this earth as it were and change this earth. So people think he's benign that there's nothing happening but God is always working he's working for your benefit He's working on your behalf. God's already in your tomorrow. He's already got it planned. He's already working in front of you. He's never caught out. He is in charge, in control, and he's good to you. Let's not look down our nose with disdain, but let's look if we have to down our nose with our glasses, as it were, on the tip in order to study, to know him, to study his word, to be in his presence, to see where God is leading us and all that God is doing for us. That's the idea that we need to get to. For God's benignity does not mean that God is dead. We said it again. God's benignity does not mean that God is dead. God is alive. The word forbearance gives the idea of a holding back or a, a truce of arms holding back or a truce of arms. In other words, you and I were at war with the Lord in the sense that we were at enmity one with the other. And Christ in the new covenant came. He joined us together, reconciled us back onto our God. And so there's a truce held out to the rest of our families until they come in to the fold. The wrath is not yet as it were. The wrath is looming, abiding, but God is holding back. See, in the First World War, Britain and Germany, we talk about winning the war. Really, there was just an armistice. They ceased fire, held back their arms. That's how the Second World War happened, for the armistice was really broken. And here the idea is that God has held back his arms for the ungodly. God is holding back in his forbearance. In other words, he is holding back, but whenever he wants to break ranks, he is well justified and able to do so. His forbearance, his benignity, and people think he's some big Lord's daddy Santa Claus in the sky. You know, our God is a consuming fire. And he is not benign but living. He is holding back his wrath. You know why he's holding back his wrath? Because he's full of grace. He is full of grace. Because he loves you and loves me. Thank the Lord we are in Christ and that wrath will not be upon us. For we are in Christ, for all of those who are outside of Christ, he is giving them space to repent. He's giving them time until he has completed and drawn in all those whom he will call for as many as the Lord our God shall call. He is full of grace and he is full of love. He is good. The riches of his goodness. That all comes under the riches of his goodness and his grace. So is everybody with me this morning? that God is holding back. That's how God is good. God would be justified in every way to wipe out planet Earth. But that's his own forbearance. He is, the word long suffering really means slowness in avenging wrongs. Now notice that. Not slowness in attacking for nothing, slowness in avenging wrongs. In other words, you're looking down your nose, Paul says. People look down their nose at the things of God, his goodness, the riches of it. He says, let me show you about it or tell you about it. He says his benignity and his kindness. He's holding back with a, a truce of arms. He says, and because he is slow in avenging all the sin and wrongs of this world, you think you can look down your nose at him. I, you do. That's why he's going, yes, you do. Brothers and sisters, the Lord loves you this morning. Remember what he's done for you. And I pray none of us look down our nose at his goodness. But if we're going to look down our nose, let's look down at studying him more They get to know him more and to love him. So, turn with me to Romans chapter 2, please. Or, Sorry, 1st you're still on Romans 2. Verse 5, look what it says. But after that the hardness and an impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous. Notice the righteous judgment of God. You're learning about the righteous judgment of God. Here those who are outside of Christ are looking down despising the riches of God's goodness looking down their nose at this and Paul says you're treasuring up The wrath of God to yourself. Now the word treasure up means together, to heap or to lay up and store. Together, to heap up, to lay up and store. In other words, they're living, every day they're living, God's forbearing. God's not answering by fire yet. God is holding back in his love and grace and mercy. God's wrath, his anger. Many of the times, the word wrath gives the idea of a snorting animal like a horse. That's the way it gives the idea. But God's love overcomes that. God's love overtakes that. And you think about this as a believer. You and I had plenty of treasure. Let up and store all of our sin. All the things we desired. All the things we loved. Things we wanted to do. The life that we lived. All of those things we had laid up and store. And the wrath of God was... Like this. It gives the idea of this animal. Anger. Boiling point. And God was righteous. Righteous judgment to judge you, to judge me. God was righteous in it. God was justified in sending us to hell. Now here is the riches of his goodness. That as he, as it were, pent up in wrath against our fallen humanity and our depravity, he seen through it with his grace. He showed us his love and overcame his wrath. and he gave his son to die for us. That's the new covenant. Now Isn't that, isn't that good? Is that not the riches of his goodness? And not only does he save us, but everything that is in Christ, we have. Instead of that wrath abiding upon us, we have the Son. We have life, abundant life, eternal life. We have the Holy Ghost residing in us. And God overcame, as it were, his own wrath by his own love and loved me and loved you and gave a son so Paul says that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance see in the gospels Matthew talks of our Lord being baptised And he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. Mark talks about him being baptized and is driven into the wilderness. And Luke talks about him being baptized and he is led. So he's led, driven, led. So was he led or was he driven? The idea is he is totally immersed, engulfed in the sphere of the Holy Ghost. He is totally immersed and he is totally engulfed in the sphere of the Holy Ghost. In other words, that which drives him, he finds, is that which leads him. Look, here's the thing. Speaking on God's elect, who do we preach to? Do I hope I preach to God's elect and go and speak to one person and say, I'm talking to you? No, we preach to everyone and leave it up to God. And the idea here is, is he driven or is he led? It's the exact same. We are are to be led by the Spirit, but we're found that he's the one who's driving us, carrying us. Yet he's so gentle in his leading, he's so powerful in his driving. And the idea here is that that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The word lead means he induces us. Himself and his goodness it does mean drive also and he induces us with his goodness and his spirit and we see that goodness that we have shown you this morning and it leads us to repentance now see the word repentance here it's a word metanoia it comes from the word metanoio the the word is commonly used for repentance it's basically the same but do you know what the word means? It means reformation. Do you know what reformation really means? We talk about the Protestant Reformation. Do you know what reformation really means? To make better by the removal of faults. To make better by the removal of faults. And that's what Martin Luther and others like him wanted to do when he nailed the 95 Theses to the door in Wittenberg Cathedral in 1517. He came and said, look, the church is in dire fault here before God. This has apostatized, become Babylonian. And he nails the Theses to the door. He says, this is what we need to do to repent, to make better by the removal of our faults. Of course, that wasn't accepted. So the reformation here Paul says that the the, the, the sphere and the spirit of the spirit induces us we the goodness of God overcomes us we see who he is to us and it causes us to live right Charles Haddon Spurgeon as a quote him says grace is the mother and nurse of holiness and not the apologist of sin. Let me say it again. Grace is the mother and nurse of holiness and not the apologist of sin. Because of the grace and goodness of God, we are not to look down our nose and think we can live in an open course of sin and walk like the world. Rather, the grace of God should nurse us For it mothers us into that place with God. Holiness. A lifestyle before God. So, the word repentance means reformation. And it really comes from the word matanoio, which means simply to think differently. Change your mind. And when we're lacking in faith and doubts come, change your mind. That's repentance. Change your mind. Get into the word of God. Get your glasses on the end of your nose and look down your nose to the word of God to find out more of Christ. When we're awake, do the same. When you're weary, do the same. When you're mourning, do the same. When you're hurting, do the same. When you're fearful, do the same. When you're you're troubled, do the same. When circumstances come to you, do the same. And remember, the goodness of God will lead you to a change of your mind. When you're sick, do the same. Read the scriptures, read the promises of God. Claim them as your own and say, Lord, I'm standing on thy word for you can do exceeding and abundantly above all I could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in me. What is that power? It's the same power which raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's what Paul's doing. We've only opened up that one verse in a bit. We haven't got their ABCs yet. So... I want to finish with this. Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. I'm going to take my time at these as the weeks go on, for these are a study in themselves. You you get them if you get the grasp of the goodness of God as I've shown you here. I believe the Lord was opening our hearts there and opening our minds and letting us see these things. So, said this is more like a Bible study, I suppose. Revelation chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned. That's you and me. Every one of us. All in Adam have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Notice, being justified freely by his grace. Notice that. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So what is the Apostle saying here? He's saying once, one thing is we are redeemed by Christ alone. Secondly, that he alone, Christ alone is our, the propitiation of our sins. But propitiation means that he is where we find mercy. The mercy of God. And the mercy of God is when we do not receive that which we do deserve. That's the goodness of God. That you didn't receive what you deserve. That I didn't receive what I deserve to be lost, separated from God forever. To be launched out into eternity and to stand before God in my sins and in my transgressions. That I would be judged accordingly and God would be righteous to condemn me as a condemned man eternal punishment. So God at the minute his forbearance is holding out. His wrath is not yet poured out. And here we're told that only in Christ is our redemption. Only in Christ is our uh, propitiation. Only in Christ is our righteousness. And through what? Through the new covenant. Because it is having faith in his blood. So it's the blood of Jesus. The shedding of the blood of Jesus. The new covenant that was made. You read in Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8 again. We have looked at that. Uh, I think it was in part one we looked at that. So here we have the new covenant. I haven't got them the ABCs. <laughs> I haven't got them the ABCs. We'll start with B next week. Born of God. Okay? Born of God. Born again. B next week. Born of God. Born again. And what I have is, I want to look at these riches that are in the new covenant, showing you them the riches of his goodness. Isn't that beautiful? Next time you're singing, for he is good, he is good and his love endures, you think, boy, Lord, you are good. Look where I could have been, but you have rescued me save me. Lord bless his word this morning and we'll carry on in the Lord's will, part four next week, okay? This evening's going to be a little different.